It's uh, good to be here this morning, good to share. I appreciate Alan sharing this opportunity with me today. You know, uh, last, last week we started off something different uh, for the summer. Uh, I thought last week was just a fantastic time with the ladies from the Women's Resource Center. And by the way, we have more bottles in the back. They're on the table by Next Steps. If you wanted a bottle to be able to give to the Women's Resource Center and didn't get one, they're back there now. You can do that. Just a great um, just a great ministry that they've set up, and we're able to use that to be the hands and feet of Jesus to reach needs. Uh, you know, we're still waiting on, on the Supreme Court case uh, to be heard. Um, the arguments have been heard. We're waiting on the decision to be rendered on, on Roe v. Wade. While we wait, that's something we can do. We can go ahead and be preparing to be able to support these women and men who are going to be facing some difficult challenges uh, in, in a new way here in the state of Alabama. So I hope that we take advantage to do that as we get to celebrate the lives that are going to be saved through that, but also be able to come alongside and support these folks uh, while we're doing that too. So I want to continue in the vein of doing something different this summer. I want to be back next week to continue in the life series. Um, but I want, to, I want to start by, have any of you ever seen like a celebrity mean tweets sketch at all. Yeah, a couple. They're pretty funny. Usually somebody reads a tweet that somebody said something mean about them and they're like, oh, okay, well, that's, they're probably not wrong, you know, whatever. So I actually have some of those. Is that okay if I do that today? Does everybody like that? Yeah. So, so this is, yeah, yeah, you like that, Will. I appreciate that. So this, these are uh, things that were said to me or about me uh, from the last time I preached up here or from all my time here at North. So this will be fun. Here we go. Um, Al from Elkmont says, uh, hi, Al, by the way, if you're watching online, it's good to see you today. Um, Al says, yeah, I thought that was okay. You know, um, I mean, maybe I would have enjoyed it a little bit more if it was five or 10 minutes longer. Um, Just know you've got that freedom to do that if you like. Well, thank you for the feedback, Al. Um, I don't know if you're in the room or watching online, wherever you are. Um, You should know that we do try to maintain, you know, we appeal to a diverse crowd here at at Lindsay Lane North. And so um, while I may not do that, you know, I know dynamite comes in small packages, right? But maybe more powerful dynamite comes in slightly larger larger packages, maybe. Okay. Um, So what we'll do, I I can't do that, but next week there'll be a guy here who'll be glad to go five or ten minutes longer. Um, So come back for that next week. All right, and then we have one message from uh, Sarah W. from Athens. You know, I'm married to a Sarah W. from Athens. I wonder if they know each other. That'd be kind of cool if they were. Um, Sarah W. from Athens says, hey, you got awful excited up there. Um, maybe you shouldn't yell so much. You realize some of us are trying to sleep around here. Oh, okay, well, um, you know, Sarah W., thanks for, for your feedback. You know, we haven't started giving out earplugs and pillows at Next Steps yet, but we do give out coffee and donuts. So you can use the coffee to kind of perk you up a little bit. And if that doesn't work, sit next to someone who eats a lot of donuts and they'll be comfy to lay on. Um, So maybe that'll help you in your sleeping efforts. And then Bill from Decatur writes, "Um, man, what's up with all of the jokes? Um, Sometimes I don't get them and sometimes they're just not funny. Uh, I kind of sometimes wish you just wouldn't tell them. All right, well, that, that one kind of hurts a little bit, but thank you, Bill from Decatur, uh, for sending that in. And you know what? I have, I have considered it a little bit. What I would like to do is maybe to take some of those jokes as they come to me. And instead of exposing y'all to them, uh, as I have apparently mercilessly done, uh, what I need to do is just write them down on a piece of paper and maybe store them away in a safe deposit box uh, somewhere to where they will not bother y'all. And you know what I'm going to do when I see the girl at the bank with my jokes? Tell her.
Last service, like somebody three minutes later laughed at that. It was, <laughs> it was classic. Uh, and then finally, Lee Matthew from Matthews, Lee Matthews from Limestone County says, "Hey, what's up with the red iPad cover? Um, I mean, it, uh, it seems a little strange. Surely, to goodness, there's another iPad you could use." Well, thank you, Lee, for that feedback. And you know what? We do try to take that feedback, and we don't want something as silly as a red iPad cover getting in the way of you being able to hear the gospel. So we, we have taken steps to address that. So... Again, we always try. We, we take your feedback seriously around here. Um, so keep sending it in. We love to hear it uh, in ways that we can better serve you and better minister to you and better equip you uh, to live out with the gospel. So uh, thanks for all of that feedback. Keep sending in your feedback. I enjoyed this. Um, so I mentioned that we're in a waiting period right now. Uh, I want to do a message called In the Meantime. Uh, this, this is a message that I think God has given to me uh, just to, to share with us how, what we can do while we wait. Any of y'all ever wait on anything? Yeah? You wait on her every day. That's, man, this, this is being recorded, by the way, so it can be used as evidence, right? No, uh, we wait a lot. Have any of you ever found yourselves in a room like this? Y'all ever see that? You know that feeling? By the way, for those of you who are in the room under about 25 or so, you realize that we used to have to get drugged to our parents with those places, and we had nothing but a Highlights magazine to entertain us for 30 minutes. Y'all know that? I mean, there's only so many times that you can trace the little maze through there and get to the other side and unscramble the four words. Nowadays, you know, you kids have got it easy. You go into a doctor's, doctor's office, and what do you do? Mom, can I have your cell phone? Dad, where's my iPad? So I get there, both of my kids have the cell phone, and I'm still doing the Highlights Magazine puzzle at 37 years old. So some of these things are not fun. You know, we, we actually went on a vacation with my family. We had, uh, we had a unplanned trip to the emergency room in a strange place in South Carolina that we didn't know. Um, we got to sit in one of these for about three hours. Um, and so that was, you know, with one kid that's in excruciating pain. That's just not fun at all. Sometimes you have to do that. Something else that you wait on is like a long lifetime event. Check this out. Anybody ever done that? A lot of people in the room. Some of you, in our last service, we had a couple that did it this year. Uh, we have some that are working on doing it again. And we have a couple that were working on doing it again, again. Right? So the more often you do it, I guess the better you get at it. I don't know. But we didn't, we didn't toss our caps at college graduation. I don't know if, if, if a lot of people do, but, uh, and I really don't know what happens at master's degree graduations because I didn't even go. So, uh, maybe the more you do it, the less excited you get about it. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, the more you pay for it, the more you say, I'm just ready for it to be done with. I don't know. But one of those things, um, this is something that we wait on. And man, let me encourage you. Don't, uh, you know, don't spend the whole time. Those of you who are students, don't spend the whole time waiting, wishing it away. You know, there's a lot of life to live while you're doing that. And we're going to talk about that as we go on. So after graduation, though, you go celebrate, right? And you go somewhere and you see a sign like this. Do y'all know what that sign means? That sign means go somewhere else. That's exactly right. <laughs> I, but I'm glad. I'm glad we have these signs right here because we, you know, again, those of you under 25 in the room, we used to go and stand at that spot and wonder how long it was going to take. 
Now they have a sign there to say, please go and buy some food while you wait. You know, it's, it's frustrating. You know, the, you go to these places, it costs you about $100 to get in now, a person. And you go in, and the thing is, at this spot, there's only 12 people in front of them in the line. Everybody else that's getting on the ride has the fast pass, right? So they get all fast passes on every ride, and then like maybe one person gets on the, on the train every third trip around. So this, but you got to pay for that too, right? You got you pay $100 to get in, you pay another 80 bucks for the fast pass. Now you, you're, you're $700 deep, and all you've done is get in the door if you want to ride anything. Lots of waiting. Hope we learned something about how to handle that today. All right, one of the things in my life that was most worth waiting on on the screen right there. Oh, who's that guy with my wife? Man, it's amazing how some people change over the span of eight years and others don't. Um, good for her. Yeah, I was, I tell you what, I was, I was rocking the glasses and the faux hawk before it was even cool. I'll tell you what. Uh, I've outgrown that phase as well as my phase of growing dark hair on the side of my head. Um, definitely something worth waiting on. She is worth the wait. Man, she's the love of my life. I appreciate her being a good sport as I flashed that up there this morning. All right. Uh, something else we wait a long time on. Check this out. Um, y'all ever seen that? Yeah, that's usually not a happy message whenever you see that. It's something, I ordered it at the last minute, but I know Amazon's going to come through for me. No, we don't have a new delivery date yet, but wait a few days and it might get there. Yeah, get that message. It does not make you happy. Y'all remember when you used to have prime two-day shipping? Y'all remember that? And y'all remember right before COVID what Amazon introduced? Amazon introduced one-day shipping right before COVID. And after COVID, they've modified their shipping to now they have... Amazon, more expensive prime sometime shipping. You might get it sometime. That's what they do now. Uh, one other thing we wait on for a while. Check this out. Anybody ever seen anything like this? This is your football countdown timer. I hope I picked a very friendly, neutral school to put up there. Y'all know uh, Nebraska's got an N on the side of their head. Y'all know what that stands for, right? Knowledge. Um, so... Yeah, countdown to football season is something we wish away. Uh, you know, I remember when I was playing football, man, the two-a-days, I hated the two-a-days. I would look forward almost with negative anticipation toward the two-a-days because I knew that I was going to have to get my big tail up out of the bed and get into shape over the next couple of weeks. But as we started those, I started just wishing away the rest of the practices. Like, man, I'm ready for Friday night. Give me on the field. I'm ready for the game. I'm ready for the game. And then, like, I woke up the next day and the season was over. Man, those things pass by so fast. There's so much living to do while we are waiting. Um, and then those of you that like to go to college football games, you know who the hated, most hated guy in the stadium is? It's not the referee. You think it might be. And it's not the other team. It's this guy. Y'all know who that guy is? That is Mr. TV timeout timer. He's the guy that says you cannot snap the ball until my little stick turns to zero. Yeah, nobody likes that guy. Poor guy. I hope his wife likes him. Uh, and then finally, one last thing that we wait on. Check this out. Y'all know what that is? That's a bag of Totino's pizza rolls. So lots of things we have to wait on here. And by the way, don't let your kids see that you are starting to prep this because it takes 30 minutes to go from freezer to in their mouth, right? So the first thing you got to do is what? You got to preheat the oven. That takes five minutes, sometimes longer to get it to 425 by the way, there, there is a, another instruction on this that says you can microwave these. You can also take out a can opener and open up dog food and eat it straight out of a can too. 
I would assume to eat it the right way. Um, you preheat it to 425, then you bake them for, what, 13 minutes? So now you're at 18 minutes, and then you don't eat those things after they come out of the oven, right? So by the way, you know, it, the, the telltale sign that they're ready, you don't guess when those things are ready, right? You, this, it's oozing out as, as, soon as, as soon as it's ready. That's your, that's your sign. If you don't preheat the oven, the, the outsides of them turn into charcoal briquettes, and you've got, like, blackened pizza sickles, right, because the inside's still frozen and the outside's burnt. Don't recommend that either. So you wait, you know, 18 minutes in. And then step three over here says, let it stand two minutes to complete cooking. Filling will be very hot. That's an understatement. Be cautious on your first bite. Cautious on just the first one, I guess. Uh, you know, you know why you don't have to be cautious on the second bite? Because you can't taste anymore. After the first bite, you have actually killed all the cells in your mouth that feel pain and taste. So you can just shovel whatever in at that point. Lots of things that we wait on. You know, the Bible is full of people that had to wait too. We wait on a lot of things. We wait on things with anticipation. We wait on things that we're kind of nervous about. We wait on, man, I'm ready to get out of school. Man, I'm ready to get this break in my career. Man, I wish I could get married. Man, I wish whatever, fill in the blank. We wait and wait and wait. And what do we do while we're waiting? What do we do while we're waiting? God has a few examples in the Bible of people that had to wait on him to fulfill his promises. So let's check out what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah, the prophet Elijah, waited for over two years for God to fill his promise in, in the work that he had for Elijah. Um, 1 Kings chapter 17 says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by the Kirith brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. And then in chapter 18, verse 1, we get kind of the math equation here. Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So in the third year of the drought, somewhere between two and three years had passed from the time that God said, I have this word for you to deliver to Ahab until he says, all right, it's getting about time to go. Two and a half years. It's a long period of waiting when God tells you, go over and I'm going to send ravens to feed you. All right? But he's not the only one that waited. Abraham and Sarah waited about 26 years for God to fulfill his promise to them. Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and his nephew Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. And then Genesis chapter 17, verse 17 fills in the picture. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. So after God said, you're going to have a son, he reiterates his message to him. Abram says, how could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought, and how can Sarah have a baby when she's 99? So they conceive at 100 years old, probably takes nine months, so about 26 years from 75 to 101. Abram and Sarah wait on this promise that God has made them. Abram left everything that he had and everybody he knew to follow God on this promise that took 26 years for God to fulfill. Then Moses, y'all know Moses, he waited for 40 years, twice. 
God had put him through a preparation period of 40 years twice in his life for work that he had prepared for them. So let's check out, we're going to read out of Acts chapter 7. This is uh, the guy that's speaking here is a guy named Stephen. Uh, Stephen was uh, one of the early evangelizers of Christianity uh, and the Pharisees at the time were Jewish leaders and they did not like Stephen's message. So they're getting ready to stone him and this is what Stephen says as part of his defense to testify to the faithfulness of God. It says, Moses fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Forty years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to the Moses in the flame of the burning bush. All right, so give you some context on what's happening. There is a giant crawling creature that is distracting me very badly. Um, man, the things that distract me. It's crazy. It's not like that snake that was out there, right, Chuck? That was, that was, that was a good one. Um, Moses was an Israelite, right? He was a child of Israel, but y'all remember the story. He was placed into the basket, put out into the river, and picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, right? So he was raised as an Egyptian. He is an Israelite, raised as an Egyptian, all right? So he goes out one day as an adult, sees the Israelites who are in slavery, being treated poorly, and he goes to one of the, the Egyptians who is treating him poorly, and he kills him. And then the next day, Moses goes out again, sees two Israelites arguing, and says, hey, y'all cut it out. And one of them calls him and says, well, you gonna kill us too? And then Moses flees to Midian for 40 years. And at the end of that 40 years, God revealed himself in the burning bush. Uh, but that was not the first time that God would spend 40 years preparing Moses for work. He actually, you go through the, right after the burning bush, Moses presents himself to Pharaoh. God delivers the plagues. The last of the plagues was the death of the firstborn in all of Egypt, which Egypt kicked out the Israelites and said, you got to get out of here. They go cross the Red Sea. The Red Sea crosses behind them. And right after that starts another 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Because right after they got to the other side, they start complaining and saying, well, man, why'd you bring us out here to die? We, couldn't we just go back where we came from? By the way, this is another message for another day. But aren't you glad God shuts the door behind us sometimes when he delivers us from stuff? That is so great how God can take situations that we need to be freed from. And not only does he free us, but he frees us in a way that we can't get captive to that again. Man, praise God for that. So... Acts chapter 7, verse 36 puts a timeline on, uh, on this as well. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, Moses led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, do y'all know how, how far it is from, from Egypt to, to the promised land? Anybody ever look that up just for fun? By walking, it should take 11 days. And God led them around for 40 years. Why did he do that? He had preparation that he was doing in their heart. He had to cleanse all of the Egypt out of them. He had to, had to get rid of the customs that they had learned. And he had to teach them to depend on him. They had depended on their Egyptian masters for everything they needed. But God had a new way and he needed for his people to know what that way was. So, and then lastly, uh, in the top section of your notes, Israel waited through a silent period of over 400 years from the last of the prophets to the birth of Christ. I'll give you a little bit of a timeline here. Starting in 586 B.C., the southern kingdom of Israel was exiled, so there were no more Israelites in the kingdom of Israel. In 538 B.C., the Israelites were allowed to return, so about 40-something years, 50 years almost. The temple was rebuilt under Ezra's oversight by 515 B.C. 
the wall was rebuilt by Nehemiah in 444 BC. And then Malachi was the last of the prophets that we have in the scripture. Uh, he gave his account uh, and his message around 430 BC. And then that's it. Nothing else from there until the time Jesus comes on the scene. 430 years, uh, you know, 16, 17 generations passed with us not hearing a single inspired message from God, without us hearing a single note of reconfirmation of his word. But yet God did continue to fulfill that promise. So I want to take us a look. We, we see that people wait. We know that we wait. I want to put some so what's to this. So what do I do? What do I do when I'm waiting? How do I maximize this? How do I get through this? I want to take a look at what these people did in these situations, and then maybe we can apply that to our lives as we look. So the first thing you can do is don't stop working. While you're waiting, don't stop working. All right, God has plans for us. God has works for us to complete while we wait. So 1 Kings chapter 17, going back to Elijah's story. Verse 8 says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the, live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Now remember, what's going on here? It's a drought. Water is incredibly scarce. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. And Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. She did as Elijah said. She and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as God had promised. See, Elijah takes this time. He could have just sat still and prepared his message for Ahab. You know, he's, by the way, you know who Ahab is? It's the king of Israel. Ahab's not this strange foreign king. Ahab is the king over the people that God has called. And he sends Elijah this message that says, they're worshiping Baal, and I'm going to send you to prove a point. Now, Elijah could have spent the next two and a half years preparing for that. He could have spent the next two and a half years trying to stay physically active and fit. He could have spent those two and a half years learning a new game, learning, you know, mastering his chest movements. You know, he could have done whatever he wanted to do. But instead, he continues the works that God has in store for him. He continues to do what God has called him to do. So he reaches out and shows the power of God to this one family. And this family comes up again in the, in the verses that follow after this. He continues working, continues showing God's faithfulness, even while he's waiting on a bigger work. All right, so in the verse there, Galatians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let's not get tired of doing what's good, because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing what is right. Don't grow weary in doing what is good. Even when you think you're waiting on something bigger, fulfill all of those small steps that God has on the way to that. Don't give up on that. Don't tire out on that. So the second thing I want us to go back and look at Abraham and Sarah uh, in their story. Don't, when you're waiting, don't get ahead of God. All right? 
Don't try to force your way into making this work your way. That's what Abram and Sarah did. Let's check out how that worked. In Genesis chapter 16, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. And she has this brilliant idea. She says, the Lord has prevented me from having children, so go and sleep with my servant. And perhaps I can have children through her. Remember, God has promised that Abram and Sarah will bear children. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so Abram had relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat Sarah with contempt. And Sarah said to Abram, this is your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. And skip down, some things happen. Hagar ends up running away because Sarah starts treating her terribly. And in verse 9, God shows up to Hagar, the servant, and says, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, You are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God's hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. I think we have an expression in English, something like that. I'm not sure. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against his relatives. All right, so scholars debate on whether this is or is not the current enemy of, of Israel. Uh, I tend to believe it probably is. But either way, God promises that, you know, you try to do this on your terms, and you try to do this your way, you got ahead of my plan. And I'm telling you, that was not a good choice. This is going to have long-lasting consequences. Consequences that will last probably until the return of Jesus. This choice that, that Abram and Sarah and Hagar made at that time. To not trust God's plan. God made a promise and they chose not to trust that. So don't, but don't get ahead of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. When, when it seems like God is taking forever, when it seems like God's not doing things on our timetable, we have, it's on us to trust him that there's a reason for that. It's on us to trust him that, that this, this job opportunity hasn't panned out or that we're stuck in a, in a, in a bad situation. Uh, man, I, I, was, I was in a, in a terrible place at work some time ago. and uh, it, took, it took a while for God to get me through that. It was 40 pay periods, by the way, uh, that I was in a very bad job situation. God brought me out of that into a situation where I could thrive once again. He had to do some cleansing of me. There was some time that I spent in, in therapy, and there was some time I went restoring relationships that I had crushed during that time. Um, God has plans for those waiting periods. And even when we don't see it, at the end, when we see what God was doing, it tends to make sense. So let's go back to Moses. We know from Elijah we don't stop working. We know from Abraham and Sarah we don't get ahead of God. From Moses, don't stop pursuing God. When you're waiting, don't stop in your pursuit of God. Don't sit on your laurels and say, well, I know where God wants me to be and I'm going to wait right here until he, said, you know, until he delivers on that promise. Don't stop pursuing him. Be where he is. Let's see what Moses and the children of Israel did in Numbers chapter 9. Whenever the cloud lifted from the sacred tent, and that cloud represents the presence of God, right? Whenever the cloud lifted from the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up. 
In this way, they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. They remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would only stay over the tabernacle a few days. So the people would stay only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, for a month, a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. They continued their faithful pursuit of God. Wherever God was, that's where they went. God stayed over the tabernacle. They stayed and served at the tabernacle. God moved away from the tabernacle. They picked up the tabernacle, and they chased him. And that's the way it ought to be with us. When we're waiting, when we're waiting on God to provide this promise, it's on us to continue our faithful pursuit of God. It's on us to continue with our whole heart to open ourselves up to what it is he would have us to say. Jeremiah 29, 13 is one of my personal favorite verses, which you hear me say that about most every verse I read. Jeremiah 29, 13, great memory verse. It comes after 29, 11. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The Israelites had full trust in God and they had full faith that where he was leading was where they needed to be. And when we follow with that kind of pursuit, he will be faithful to us and we will find him. And we will find the solace that we need. We'll find the peace we need. We'll find the strength we need. We'll find whatever it is we need under his provision when we seek him. And the fourth one I want to look at is what, what did the Israelites do waiting for 400 years through a silent period when it seems like it's going on and on and God just hasn't fulfilled the promise? Don't give up hope. When you're waiting, don't give up hope on God. He will follow through with what he said. His promises are yes and amen. I want us to look at a guy who was alive at the time that Jesus was born. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and it revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. One day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, O sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised, because I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. So this guy is 16 generations past. The, pro the last time we heard from one of the prophets of God. And he is still eagerly waiting on the Messiah to come. And he has this, this special word from the Lord that says he will be there when the Messiah comes. And did y'all see his response? He celebrated and praised God. So this is what I've been waiting my whole life for. Guys, don't forget to praise God whenever you see the fruition of what it is you're doing. Don't forget to give God glory whenever you see what it is he has brought you to. All right, we wait on things. We wait on marriage. We wait on on whatever it is that's important. Don't forget to praise God when you see what it is he's been preparing you for. Check this out. This, this verse is from John chapter 14. Alan preached on it a few, few weeks ago. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. This is Jesus talking. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you I was going to prepare a place for you? 
But when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. This is the promise that we have from Jesus. This is a promise that was made 1,992 years ago to us on Passover night. It's a promise that we continue to stake our faith on to this day. God is not slow in keeping his promises as we count slow. God is working his purposes, the saving of many people. God doesn't want anyone to perish. God wants us all to be saved. And sometimes those waiting periods are for us to be able to get this message of Jesus out to the ends of the earth. For us to be able to reach the unreached people groups that have been closed off with the gospel. God has a plan for tarrying in his coming. But I fully trust that God is. And so did these people in the Bible. They trusted that God was going to come through on his promises. And they've seen it happen time and time again. And that gives us reason to trust him on this promise as well. So when we're waiting, don't give up your hope. Here's the last word. If God has you in a season of waiting... Don't worry about it. There's no reason to worry about it. You're talking about the God who already has it all under control. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 says this, Therefore don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So you you don't even know that you've got tomorrow. You need to do today what you can do today. You need to be faithful today and what you can be faithful in today. You need to trust me today for what you need today. I will take care of tomorrow. You worry about today. Check out what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I referenced it earlier. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He has a plan for each person in this room and each one of you watching online. God has a plan for you and he has a purpose for your life. These plans are for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, again, there's that future word. God has our future secured, right? Our future secured in Christ. Our tomorrow is secured in Christ. Whether we're here, whether we're in heaven, our future is secured in Christ. And then Isaiah 46.10 kind of puts a nail in this. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. My counsel will stand and I will accomplish my purpose, says the Lord. He's the one who knows the end from the beginning. He's the one, and it says he declared it from the beginning. He's not, he's not finishing the story. He's not trying to figure out how this ends right now. You get in a TV series, and you get five seasons in, and you think they might have an idea where this goes, but they're still trying to write it out. God's not doing that. God knows how this ends. And it does us no good to concern ourselves with how it ends. All we can do is to be faithful and trust him. Some of these things that we we wait on, they're worth waiting on. My wife, totally worth the wait, 100%. The situations God has brought me through, totally worth the wait. Bringing me to this church, totally worth the wait. And there's things in your life that have been worth the wait too. Let me tell you something that's not worth the wait though, is the things that God has already done and said. Those things are, there's no need to wait on those. God has already secured our eternity. God has already secured our salvation. There's no need to wait on that. God has already told us to be obedient to him in baptism. There's no need to wait on that. If, there's, if, there, if that's you, if you've not been saved, if you've not trusted Jesus as your Lord, if you've not surrendered to him, if you've not got your baptism in order, there's no need to wait. There's nothing to wait on. God's already spoken on it. All we have to do is to be obedient to what he has spoken to. All we have to do is respond to what he has spoken to. 
So I want to encourage you, if you're out there and you don't have your salvation in order, if you don't have your baptism in order, come and talk to me. Let's find out. We'll get you paired up with somebody that can share with you how you can take your next steps with Christ, how you can be obedient in following him, how you can start to trust him for your tomorrows, how you can start to trust him for the things that you're worrying about. Start to trust him while you wait. That's you, I invite you to come. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never comes back void. I pray for the people who need to get things in order. I pray that you'll help them to do just that this morning. Lord, we love you and we surrender to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. If y'all would stand, we'll sing an invitation. Come to me. If you've got something you need to talk about, let me know.